Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. of guys went through to Nelspreet to celebrate with uh, Sisanda. Many of you may re- remember him. He was on staff with us for a while. And he's, they're getting, they were got married yesterday, is that right? Yesterday. So some of them are there for the weekend. So that's great. Did you, you saw Freddy the Frog? Yes. This is something that when you have a ch- Grade one. I think it's normally around grade one that uh, lots of pe- teachers do this. There's this character that can go visit home. So we had three of them in England. I think in England it was Rainbow Bear or something. And I can't remember David's one. But in any case, always good fun. <coughs> Although maybe David didn't have one because it was in the middle of that hard lockdown in the beginning of COVID. So maybe the, <laughs> the Freddy didn't make it. <laughs> You took COVID. Anyway, hallelujah. Yesterday, Freddie came with us to the market, and uh, everywhere we're going, Freddie goes with us, and we have to document what happens. So Emily's just saying, please take a photo the whole time with her and Freddie everywhere. So that's great fun. All righty, can you guys hear me all right? It's a bit bassy, but I don't know what to do about that. I, I'm going to struggle to change my voice as well. So anyway, all right, so let's Okay, cool. That's amazing. Does it help? No, it's like, okay, cool. All right. <coughs> okay. Let's, <laughs> let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence. And we thank you for your word. What a privilege, Lord, that you have given us your word that is alive and it's powerful. And this morning we can dig into your word, knowing, Lord, that you work in each of our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher, that you impart life to us, God, in the name of Jesus. We commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at something, you know, a, a divine disruption, I called it. Have you, have you ever been on your way somewhere and then... Back in the day, we used to have these things. Many of you might know what they might not know what it is. It's called a map book. It was this thick book. We had one like this for just for Gauteng. and you carried it in your car. Um, and before you got those books, you, you had like maps that you have to unfold, and then you have to kind of figure out where you are. And then we came the time of Garmin and TomTom and stuff like that which changed all of our lives. There was this, a moment when Anna and I had just been married a couple of months, and uh, I, I was a, we just planted a church in Joburg, and I had Fridays off, so, and Anna was working, but she, by accident, when she left the morning to go to work, she locked me in the flat. So she, I think she took both keys, I can't remember what happened, but I couldn't go anywhere. 
which was fine, you know, just chilling at home. Um, and then she phoned me in tears, and she said she's somewhere, she took a wrong turn, she's in the middle of Alexandra, Alexandra and she, that's what I figured out, she didn't know she was in the middle of Alexandra. <laughs> but she said, just said, this doesn't look right. <clears throat> and I remember taking that map book and, asking her some details, and then I was trying to figure out where she was, and then I had to give her directions. Luckily, her phone was working, praise the Lord, you know, back in the day, we didn't have that option, and I had to navigate out of there, and then we, we made a very good investment into our marriage. He bought a common, one of those cookies that you had put in the front of your car, praise the Lord. Anyway, long long story, of what was I going to say? Oh, yes, so have, have you been <laughs> on a journey, and then there's a detour, Maybe there's roadworks or there's something happening and you can't take the route that you thought you would take and you have to take an unknown route and then suddenly you're surprised. You thought this is rubbish, it's going to take longer, it's not like it's disrupting my plans and then you realize, wow, this is amazing, this is beautiful, this is a great route, this is, we never, never knew about this place, you know, and you go through an area that you didn't know. My mom always wanted to Go the, the back roads. My dad wanted to go the fastest road. My mom liked the, the back roads with the potholes, you know. But So we did a bit of both. But <clears throat> yeah, it's amazing this, how this also happens in life. And, uh, you know, we get interrupted. Stuff happens. We have our plans. We make plans. We have schedules. I'm amazed by the plan as you get these days. Obviously... So much is digital these days, but even, have you seen these planners that people bring out, like physical ones, books, and some people love them, like color-coded and um, year planners and month planners and day planners, and they, they, it's like a range, and you subscribe, and then you pay a lot of money, and then they print you this stuff, personalized. And obviously, the digital, digital stuff, um, that's amazing with reminders and everything else. But it's actually not so great because apparently these days people struggle to focus on something because <laughs> they always have to check their calendar or their social media or something. I read some stats the other day, and I don't know how good these stats are, but it seems that people can only focus for a couple of seconds before they have to just check or just check the email or check the notification or the notification that comes on your watch. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they keep on going like this? Like, do you have to be somewhere, you know? <laughs> and they say, no, 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 uh, just checking, you know? And it's a habit we don't realize. But it's, um, so we, we, so we, obviously, uh, there's a lot of interruptions that affect our productivity. So people at work these days, apparently younger generation at work, really struggle to focus for a long time. They you know, keep on having to check stuff. So that is the bad kind of interruption. That is the interruption that's a distraction. All right? I'm not talking about those this morning. We have to grow in dealing with those ton of interruptions, grow in our stewardship of our devices and our time, okay? So I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about something else. Um, I'm talking about just how in life, how we need to be open for what God wants to do. All right, so 
in Scripture, we see a bunch of this, this, these kind of things happening. And there's a few where there's massive disruptions, okay? So, for instance, Noah had a plan for his life and his family. He had some thoughts about what he's going to do for the rest of his life. But God had another plan. Right? He said, no, leave that stuff, man. <laughs> you got to build a boat. It's going to take you two years. So it wasn't a quick one. It wasn't a five-minute interruption. It was like, no, man, leave all that stuff that you were doing. You need to build this big ship, okay? And stuff is going to happen. Same with Moses. He was hanging out in the wilderness, you know, heading towards retirement. And then the Lord said, no, we've got a different plan. I'm going to send this burning bush. And he disrupted Moses' plan for his retirement. Um, obviously, you know, if we talk about Joseph, he had big plans. And then when he looked again, he was a slave and in prison. That's not so great either. But I, so I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the big disruption. Gideon, you know, Gideon was on the threshing, threshing wheat in the pit. He had some plans, and then the angel came to him and just messed up all his plans, you know. And uh, so I'm not going to talk about those massive, you know, sh life shift changes and disruptions because God does those as well. I had a plan. I was going to be a test pilot in the Air Force. That was a great plan. I was well on my way, and then the Lord messed it all up. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm so grateful. <laughs> Not many people up there to be ministered to, eh? In the, any case. So, I'm very grateful about that. Um, but, I'm, but, I, but, but when we look at um, more kind of day-by-day -day disruptions, day-by-day -day interruptions, Scripture is full of them as well. And specifically when we look at the life of Jesus. And uh, I want to take a couple of examples and just see how he responds when something comes across his path. Something unexpected. Alright, are you with me? Now I know some of us here are like, well, that's no problem. We, we do the unexpected. Some of us are like, what? You know... We like things to be ordered, and we like stuff to be planned ahead. You know, some of you may know we have a few guest rooms at our house, and we do this Airbnb thing. So there, I am astounded. There are, there are people that have families. Okay, When I was on my own, I could understand this better. You know, you're like, whatever, we just pitch there, hope to find a place to sleep. If we don't find a place, you just sleep in the car. You know, I did that before. No worries. But if you have babies or children, it becomes a bit more complicated. You know, you have to. But still, we have families that come on the afternoon and say, listen, do you have a place? I'm like, yes. Did you not know you're going to be in Pretoria? <laughs> Please come. Any guys, we don't mind. I mean, we're happy for the business. But anyway, um, so some of us like to think ahead, way ahead. And some of us like, let's just wing it. Um, so... <laughs> But I think God wants to speak to both groups today. Amen. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Just yeah, Proverbs 16, just as an intro. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That's in the Bible. Okay? We make our plans, but He is the one that determines what actually happens. Let's start with this account here in um, Luke chapter 7. Actually, let's just read it first, from, from 36 to 39. Um, 
And then I'm going to skip a bit. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, apparently she was a prostitute, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. Um, of her head and kissed his feet and anointed him with the, anoint, uh, the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And then he, he actually says, he gives him a little parable, and then um, verse 44, then turning towards the woman, he said to, to Simon, the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins which are many are, forgotten, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now, I this is a classic example where Jesus is interrupted. But this is quite a hectic one, if, if you think about it a little bit. Now, the Pharisees were, um, you know, they had quite a bit of status in the community. So they were learned people, they were educated, they had authority in, um, in, a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, and in the religious circles. And amongst the Jews, they were... They had, you know, authority and status. That's the word I'm looking for. And now Jesus is invited to eat at this Pharisee's house. But you can see this guy's, he's not, I don't know, he had some agenda, right? Um, because he doesn't treat Jesus very well, as, a, as you should, as a guest. You know, normally a guest would receive water to wash their feet, um, at, at least, you know, Somebody that you really care for or that you want to honor would have water. They would receive anointing oil just to that, you know, refresh, freshen up a bit. And they didn't, nothing, they didn't do any of those things. So clearly they're not really honoring Jesus. Um, but this must have been quite a formal thing because this is a Pharisee, right? So this is a, maybe, this is probably one of the richest guys around. He's, he's wealthy. He's got a house and they can, they can have dinner together. So this must have been quite a formal situation. Can you imagine yourself for yourself for a moment? You're in a formal dinner setting, and you know it's there's there's a caterer. It's nice, nice food. Um, you've received this invitation, and you're there now. And now this this prostitute in, comes in from the street. Are you with me? Mm, awkward, all right? But, <laughs> and now this is a religious leader's house, so this is even more awkward. But Jesus responds different to, I think, most of us or even anybody else out there would respond. And, and I, that's actually what I'm getting to this morning, is that how does Jesus respond to interruptions? I think most, in most scenarios that I would be in, and in terms of an, a formal setting, that lady would probably not be treated well. Um, not, definitely not like this. But, um, but Jesus stops everything. 
And he gives all his attention to her. And he ministers to her. She's also ministered to him, which is amazing. But he ministers to her. He sees her need. Hallelujah. He sees her need. He ministers to her. He sends her by saying, your sins have been forgiven. I can't stand this old sermon you can do around just this scripture, but he is willing to stop even in the midst of this formal dinner. He's been invited by this important person. He stopped. He doesn't mind. He's giving attention to this person now. Isn't that amazing? He's willing to stop everything. He's willing to be interrupted and see what, what the Father God is doing. And he ministers to the, he was actually read the in between bit as well. He kind of rebukes the, <laughs> the Pharisee. We, do use, we saw how he kind of rebukes him a bit. And he gives him an example about uh, having been forgiven much. And um, so he ministers to everybody around as well. Let's go on. Um, oh, this is the one where Bartimaeus, remember Bartimaeus? Let's read this bit quickly. Um, verse 46, Mark 10, 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, um, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, and when he heard that and it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, you're walking down the road with important people. There's a blind beggar on the side of the road screaming. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you picture this moment? Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And then everybody's like, shh, man. You're bothering the, the, the teacher. You're bothering the rabbi. Please, you know, be quiet. And he just decides, no way. This is my moment. And he goes ballistic. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the man, blind man saying, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? He's not assuming anything. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the road. Again, this is socially not acceptable. You know, there's this guy on the side of the road. He's shouting, he's screaming, he wants trying to get Jesus' attention. Everybody tell him, no, this is not appropriate. <laughs> you shouldn't interrupt him. But Jesus operates in a different way. And I, I'm convicted that, you know, with our schedules, with our plans, with our important things that we are busy with, often situations like this happen. There's something here on the side that is, has a need. There's a need, there's a crisis, there's a situation. And, you know, and most of the time, there's a person attached to the situation. Are you with me? And aren't we... I don't know, not generalizing. I find myself often thinking, I can't do that now because I'm busy with something that I somehow think is important. My question is, what can be so important that when God brings somebody across our path that is in need of something that is 
in need of, I'm not only talking about physical needs, somebody, maybe somebody needs a few minutes of our time, somebody needs encouragement, or a neighbor that is, whatever the situation, how often do we miss something that God wants to do through our lives because we are so stuck in, this is my plan for the day, this is my to-do list, if I veer off this list, everything falls apart. <laughs> Look, guys, we've got three children. If we veer off the list, stuff does pretty much go pear-shaped, okay? Let me not play games with you guys, all right? Sometimes stuff goes badly pear-shaped. The other day, phew, this is a bad confession I have to make. Anna and I had a misunderstanding. I thought she's collecting David. She thought I'm collecting David. Nobody was collecting David, okay? So, <laughs> I know, terrible parents, hallelujah. But he was at swimming, and he was, luckily, praise the Lord, there's lots of people there. He was in, it's like a gym there at the CSR near our house. So he was safe, everything. He, he was quite calm as well. I was actually very proud of him because it was quite long. We only realized this when I got home after work, and then Anna says, where's David? It's like, what do you mean, where's David? <laughs> in any case... Please don't tell her I told you this. But anyway, so um, he was quite calm. So things do go pear-shaped. I understand. I understand the need for schedules and plans and stuff. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, are we open for God to interrupt what we think is important? And maybe even in a work sense, you know, maybe there's a colleague that keeps on interrupting you with stuff. Obviously, there's a line. I'm not saying don't be productive. I'm saying, are we in a place we were able to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit among the plans and the schedules? Amen? When this is something I need to pay attention to. I believe sometimes we need to say no. Yes, sometimes we need to say, listen, to your colleague, or I can't help you right now. Can we schedule a time tomorrow? I'm going to help you out. Okay? But I'm talking about that time where there's something across comes across our path that we didn't plan for, that we didn't anticipate, but actually it's God that wants to minister to somebody or that wants to is doing something and we are potentially gonna miss out on that if we're not in tune with what he's doing. Are you with me? So this guy, luckily this guy was quite loud. Okay, he wouldn't keep quiet. So I think Jesus was doing everybody a favor. Just said, listen, let's just bring that guy. <laughs> no, but he stops. He tops his whole thing. He's willing to be interrupted. And he asks him what his need is. God doesn't assume. That's why he says, bring your petitions to God in prayer. He knows your prayer. He knows your needs. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. But he wants us to verbalize our needs. Amen? So just maybe that's for somebody today. Be bold to verbalize to God what's in your heart. Amen. All right. Even when we're doing very spiritual things, okay? This is particular of interest to me because, you know, in your ministry you think you're very busy with very spiritual things, right? Okay, this is not true because all of you guys are busy with spiritual things because work is very spiritual. And your work and whatever you're doing is your calling, is your ministry. And where God has called you, He's called you to minister. Where God has called you to operate in whichever house or home or community or school or 
studies or whatever you're busy with, that's your ministry field. Amen? So, um, but sometimes we get this thing that, no, this is important because this is God's stuff. And then we also not open for the Holy Spirit. It's ridiculous. Uh, I've told some of you the story. But years ago, Anna and I weren't married yet, but we were on an outreach together. That's actually where we met on that outreach. Yeah, do missions, guys. Tell you what. Anyway, uh, we, <laughs> we were in Pretoria at Menlin on an outreach. And we were doing two-by-two Outreach, so groups of two would go out. Brom was on mission. Eh? Brom, you won that mission. Hallelujah. And uh, we would share with people, pray with people all over the, the, the mall. And we were preparing for that. So we were in the parking lot praying together as a team, like standing in a circle, praying deep prayers, being very spiritual. And these two guys, I don't know if you remember this, Brom, two guys came up to us in the parking lot. And I thought, I was leading the team. So I thought, these guys, can't they see? We're busy with important things, yeah. We're praying, being very spiritual. Now these guys are coming and they're like standing there, you know, interrupting us. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me just talk to these guys. And I went over and I said, yes, can I help you? Like oh, a little bit rude, kind of, I don't want to help you. Please go away, top of, can I help you? Have you heard those? <laughs> and uh, so they said, sorry, you know, we, but, uh, we would like to be born again. Sorry to bother you. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, crazy. Oh, that, you know that scripture says that the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. Yeah. The harvest came to us. I said, listen. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we prayed with them. What had happened is they had a manager at their work. Uh, they worked there near in Menden, and he ministered to them almost daily. And today, they just, that day, they decided, this is it. I don't know why they came to us, though. They must have thought these looked like Christians. Anyway, <clears throat> because we were praying. But even there, you know, we were busy with something, and I was irritated because we were being interrupted, but clearly, God was doing something. I mean, are we open for what He wants to do? Are we ready to be, have our plans disrupted so that God king, God's kingdom can come in our situation? And, um, I mean, there's a bunch of examples in Scripture. Um, I want to, you know, mention the one. <clears throat> maybe, maybe talk about this one now. Um, children. If you're a parent here this morning. Children have a way of disrupting things. Okay? Let's just be honest with ourselves. <laughs> uh, so maybe, maybe some of you grew up in the... In the, in the this whole thing of, you know, children should be seen and not heard, that kind of scenario. And um, that's where I come from. And I, I don't agree with that. But but they, I must, again, confess, there have been moments where I was trying to focus on something important. And then there was this little stemmy key. In fact, this morning, <clears throat> this morning, yes, I was making some changes to my... To my PowerPoint, my presentation, and David, every 30 seconds, I'm sure, it felt like that to me. Can, can we go now? Can we, are we going now? <laughs> Anyways, so praise the Lord. But children, so even then, maybe if this is a word for me and for some parents here, are we, are we sensitive to when, yes, when must we draw that boundary because boundaries are important to children, and when do we need to be sensitive to say, put down my important work, put my Zoom meeting on mute, 
and put the camera off and quickly give attention to what my child is saying or wanting to say or wanting to point out to me. Mark chapter 10, you see a scenario like this, verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus he could, uh, so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples, now they're taking some ownership here of, about the situation. He scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who, does, who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. Yeah, and guys, I'm also I'm, 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 um, guilty of this. Is when I'm stressed, when I'm busy, or I have a deadline, or something has to happen now, often I'm not as sensitive to my children or to the Holy Spirit that I need to be. Amen? But I'm challenged to, to, to be able to discern when do I need to cancel an appointment? When do I need to you know, what, cancel whatever I'm be busy with and pay attention because this is more important. Um, and that sometimes doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to talk to you about that one. <laughs> Uh, but you, we need to have discernment, I mean, to be able to discern, is, this is important now. Uh, and, and I need to be careful how I respond to that child, okay? That's a whole different sermon about parenting. But how do I speak? How do I draw that line when I need to? Or how do I respond to that little one? Okay. Um, one or two other examples. <coughs> In, <clears throat> excuse me. You, when I say the word Samaritan, what do you think of? A woman. What else? <laughs> when I asked Emily this morning, um, I showed her a picture, and she said, "Oh, that's that guy that helped the guy on the side of the road." So yes. Um, so yes, but besides the Samaritan woman, the other Samaritan that's really famous is the Good Samaritan. And maybe, sorry, I apologize, this is Afrikaans joke, but Emily told me the other day about the warmhartige Samaritan. Okay. Now that is incorrect, because it's called warmhartige Samaritan, which is a very big word for grain one, so I'm 100% on the same page as her. But I was so pleased, because it's actually, I think it's better. Warmhartig is better. It turns out being, it, she thought it meant he's warm-hearted. Anyway, I, I thought that was very funny. So she talked about the warmhartig Samaritan, and I said, yes, hallelujah. That's actually very accurate. Um, so he's famous, right? We know, if you talk about, there's massive organizations named after this guy. And, uh, and you know, what happened is Jesus, the disciples, he was teaching them about being loving your neighbor, and then somebody asked him, who's your neighbor? And then he told them this parable about the guy that was robbed and beaten and left beside the road. And some very spiritual guys that were in the ministry ignored him on the side of the road because they had very important spiritual deep things to do. And they left him there beaten and, 
in a terrible state. Um, but the Samaritan stopped. He interrupted his whole plan of the day. He cared for him. He bound up his wounds. He took, put him on his donkey. He took him to the nearest place. He went five extra miles for this guy. He didn't just call an ambulance. He was the ambulance. He took him. Anyway, so the, this is such a great example because it cost him time. It cost him money. He, in fact, he paid ahead and then, so that he could stay at that place and be cared for for a couple of days. Then he said, listen, I will come back this way and I will check. And if it costs you more, I will, I will pay you extra later. And this is Jesus' example. He, you know, the question was, who's our neighbor? In other words, who's, who are these people that we should love? I mean, and I'm convicted because who of us are able to stop everything? It's like this person has got desperate need right now. Um, yes, you know, we, we came across a, an accident the other day, um, Adam and I. We were the first on the scene. It's never nice. Um, and a car went around. It was on the dirt road there near my mom stays. And it went around the bend and rolled quite far. And ended up on its side. <clears throat> anyway, long story short. Um, so stuff like that happens. And then I'm, I'm hoping most of us will realize... There's nobody else around. There's a farm road somewhere, you know. I, I, I think most of us will stop for something like that <clears throat> and just deal with the situation as far as we can. We had an actually massive accident here the other day, just before the evening service, and then I called one of the medical students to say, come, come, doctor. And she was like, what? No. <laughs> Still a student. I said, no, man, come. And then we... <laughs> Anyway, God was gracious, and there was a paramedic that drove past literally just five seconds later. But anyway, so, so stuff like that happens, right? <clears throat> but I'm, I'm, I'm almost talking about the stuff that's a bit less in your face like that, the stuff that we have to really recognize. Whoa, I've got to stop for this. There's something that God wants to do right now. And it's not always going to mean life or death physically, but it might mean life or death spiritually for somebody. Amen. <clears throat> Sorry, clearly Freddy the Frog has got some um, cousin in my throat. <laughs> um, so what, uh, when was it? Friday, earlier this week, uh, one of the, Abby said she wants to go to Milky Lane. I said, really? Do you have any money? So she said, yes. So she's like, yes, let's go. Anyway, but uh, shame that we, <laughs> I said, uh, um, she, she did she did pitch in a bit, and I said, okay, I'll cover the rest. So me and the kids went, <clears throat> and we sat there having um, something. And while we were sitting there, the Lord just um, had me notice one of the waitresses to, and I just felt we have to pray for her, okay? And then I said to the kids, I, th I feel God is saying we must pray for the waitress. I'm like, what? You know, yeah, and like, <laughs> Abby, the two little ones were like, whatever, they're fine. Abby was like, she's more aware now. She's 10 already. So what people think starting to become more important. I have to pay attention to that. Anyway, so um, 
Long story short, I said to them, yes, if the Holy Spirit says to us, we must look out for somebody or pray for somebody, it doesn't matter where we are, what's more important? What people think or us being obedient to Jesus? I'm like, sure, that's a tough one, you know. Anyway, so they, so we said, I said, let's just pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us if whatever we need to pray for or tell her or share with her and then we'll take it from there. Luckily, they weren't that busy, so we could, um, Anyway, so we prayed, and all the kids, I think I saw they were majorly distracted. But anyway, so they said, nah, nah they, they got nothing. <laughs> we normally, Abby's the one that's always seeing pictures, and she's really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But I think she was under pressure. And uh, anyway, I felt, uh, I felt we should pray for her studies. And then I, had this, I, I felt the Holy Spirit saying she, she wants to study, but she's unable to at the moment. So then I, we, we called her. And we, long story short, Austin says, yes, she would really love to study, but she's not able to study. And I said, I felt God saying, we must pray for that. And she was obviously amazed. And, you know, that's the problem with the masks, you know. She's like, we can't see people's facial expressions. Because in the past, when you say something, you can at least see this is the Holy Spirit doing something. But she was just saying, you know, yes, please. Um, and, oh, it was so cool because obviously it was a good ex- you know, good teaching moment for the kids as well. And then we could pray for her. She got a little bit emotional. But luckily, they were that busy right that moment, so it was fine. But um, I was trying to explain to the children, if if we're not able to be stopped in our tracks with whatever we're doing by the Holy Spirit, are we really following Him? Are we really, you know, that, that scripture where Jesus says, Follow me. He actually, he must interrupted the guys. They were busy fishing. They were doing their daily job. And he said, he interrupted them properly. And then he said to them, follow me. and I will make you fishers of men. And they left everything just like that. And they followed him. They were, that was one of those major interruptions, okay? But he said, I, when you, if you follow me, that's your job. I will do the making into fishes of men. That challenges me a lot. Because that means if I'm not a fisher of men, who am I following? Because if you ask yourself, this is a different sermon. Anyway, I'll talk about that another day. <laughs> but He's saying either we believe Jesus is able, amen, and he's all-powerful and he's able to make me a fisher of men. So the question is, if I'm not engaging with that kind of thing, if I'm not open for the Holy Spirit to direct me to be a fisher of men, am I really following Him? So yeah, so that was my encouragement to the children as well. Are we willing to stop stuff? Are we willing to be a bit weird? Because now all of four of us are praying there uh, in the middle of the Milky Lane because we're wanting to hear from the Holy Spirit what does He want to say to the lady. But I told the kids afterwards, now Abby was a little bit embarrassed. So I said to her, can you see now that, because the lady said she's not a Christian, okay? So I said, can you see now that the, the Lord told us something about this lady that we couldn't have known? She, right now, she knows there's a God that is real. And there's not, it's a God that loves her and a God that cares about her. Any, in even the smallest detail. And she, Abby said, yeah, she can, she can see that. 
Um, so I, I explained to her, even though she has not yet decided to follow Jesus, I said to her, you know, you should pray. If you know, if you know somebody that's a Christian, ask them to help you. But I said, I said to Abby, even if she hasn't decided today, the Lord has planted a seed in her heart, and she knows that she is loved by God. Amen? Are we open for those kind of disruptions? Okay, I need to finish. Hallelujah. Then I want to, um, this was one year. Oh, yes, this is a bit where Jesus was, he received news about that John the Baptist had been beheaded. Now, John the Baptist wasn't just a random guy. He was Jesus' cousin, okay? So they, they, they grew up knowing each other. And, and this is a kind of reasonably close family member who just died in a horrible way. And so he gets this news in Matthew 14, verse 12. And his disciples came, and t- this is John the Baptist's disciples. His disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Which is, makes sense, right? He wants to mourn. He wants to be by himself. He wants to spend some time. He wants to just process what's just happened. He wants to pray. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Okay, now can you imagine this? He just heard this news, emotional, just dealing with some close, somebody close to you, the death. Okay, but look at what Jesus does. Now when, uh, wait, wait. when he went ashore, he saw a great God, and he had compassion on them. And healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, in other words, it took a long time, right? When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away. And it goes into the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, where they didn't have any food. It was late in the day. People were hungry. So Jesus takes time. They feed everybody. And only later that night did he get to be by himself. But this, this, this challenges me because we, in his grief, he realizes this is more important. John is already in eternity, but these people are not yet. Can you see that? He stops, he has compassion, and he heals, and he ministers to them, feeds them. Amen. Um, there's, there's this... Yeah, even in, in his being interrupted, there's another example. I won't going to read it, but um, even while he's being interrupted, he gets interrupted again. You know, the time he comes, he gets off the boat, and this Jairus, this um, leader, comes to him and says, Listen, my daughter is ill. She's dying right now. Please come. And he says, Okay. In other words, this, this wasn't part of the plan. And they're busy hurrying there, and somebody presses through the crowd and touches him, that lady that had the issue with the bleeding for 12 years. So even while he's being interrupted, he's interrupted again. And the lady is healed and he ministers to her. And then that interruption causes him to be late. And then the day, when they arrive at the house of Jairus, the, the daughter is already dead. And then he d- interrupts <laughs> death. And he says, don't worry, she's only sleeping. Um, I, want, I want to read you this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
and he's written in his um, book, Life Together, he says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly, God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with our more important tasks. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. That's the detour I was talking about. They're disdaining those things that God has put in our path on a daily basis. Are we, are we open? Are we ready to be disrupted, interrupted by what God wants to do? I just randomly thought of this this morning, but I thought it's relevant. So when I was still a young Christian, I was studying here at Dux in the 90s. Hectic, eh? Anyway, <laughs> and um, I remember I was studying engineering, and it was, we had one of those long days. You know, start at half past seven, you finish at five or something. And I'd, I'd, for some reason, I didn't have a chance to eat my lunch. So I was sitting at the bus stop waiting for my sister to pick me up. And I was, hallelujah, I'm going to eat. I was so hungry. I was probably like, when you're hungry and you, yeah. Anyways, I'm about to pass out. And I, was, I got my lunch, my brugi. And then I can't remember what happened, whether it was somebody at the bus stop or something. But the Lord told me, this person needs your lunch. I was like. This can't be God. This is... <laughs> anyway, long story short, I was like, hallelujah, okay. And I, I blessed this person with my bruki. <clears throat> and they were really grateful. It turns out they really did need it. And I was still um, about to pass out. But in any case, um, but what, what really blessed me is my, my sister came like two minutes later. She came from friends, family friends of ours. And the, the, the lady there, the mom of the house, she sent me something to eat. And it, for, a, for, a young, for a young person, you know, young, young in their work with God, that really impacted my life. Because, yes, sometimes God does require of us to do, of us to do something sacrificially. Look, obviously, that wasn't a massive sacrifice, but the principle for me was, this is something I thought I really needed. And the Lord had already made another provision for me. Amen. I didn't know that, but she was already in the car. She was already coming from the... She was already driving, and the Lord had already sent something for me to eat, which is small and insignificant, I understand. But for me, it was major because I realized God makes a way. So if He's, if he's asking you to give beyond what you think you're able to give, pay attention because He's already made provision. And I'm talking about time as well, time, resources, encouragement, He's asking us to give beyond what we think we are able to. He, open up your hand. Don't cling on to that provision. But share it. Amen? So that you can receive what God has already made provision for. Oh, by the way, what the lady sent to me was a lot better than my bruki. Okay? So maybe that's also a principle. <laughs> I, don't know. I can't even I think it was pancakes or something fresh. It was amazing. Anyways, um, 
Yeah, let, let me close. I want to close with this scripture here from Second uh, Timothy. From chapter 1, eight, verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus interrupts the devil's plan, disrupts his plan for your life. Whether we like it or not, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are today, each one of us start out heading for eternal damnation. For many years I thought I didn't really have a powerful testimony until the, the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, where were you headed before you knew Jesus? I said, I was heading to hell. I said, yes, the same as everybody else. But Jesus interrupts that. And he says, I'm willing to take your punishment. I'm willing to, I've paid that price so that you're able to be reconciled to the Father. And I believe that if we live in a place of thankfulness, and as it says here, um, yes, we do share. There's some trials, there's some sufferings for the gospel. Uh, but He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. Are we open for that purpose and grace? Are we willing to walk in that every day? Are we willing to follow His footsteps so that He can make us fishers of men? Are we willing to have our schedules disrupted? And maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's somebody that just needs an encouragement. I really feel the Holy Spirit is inviting us. Father is inviting us to say, come, notice those small things. And again, maybe the control freaks among us. I'm thinking, oh, that's, it's just so hard because if, if I'm not in, if I'm not got my hands around anything, I can't, and I, I'm just get overwhelmed. I understand that. I was telling somebody the other day when David was two years old, he had to get anesthetic for some stitches. He fell and made a big hole here, and his, went, you know, his teeth went through his lip. Any case, so he had to get stitches inside, outside, everywhere, and they had to do it under anesthetic. And then I was like, oh, that's no problem. And he was all chill, and I was all chill until I, there was this little voice saying to me, Children die under anesthetic. People never wake up again. Stuff goes wrong. I'm like, what's this? <laughs> and then this fear wanted to jump on me. Um, and yeah, and then you realize you've got zero control now. You've got to trust God right now. Um, so I understand that. I understand that that the control fixed in us, and everybody, all of us have that in us, the desire to have some sort of semblance of like I'm in charge of something. <laughs> But this is the, the miracle of us yielding our life to Christ. Is saying, Lord, I, I trust you because you know better. And it's better for you to be in charge and in control than for me to be in charge. It's better for you to have control of my life. Because when I take control, I just mess things up. 
So please, God, take my schedule for the day. Let your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.